Is the God of the old, of the Bible a schizobog? This is the question I was being asked. Uh, and uh, it has been commented upon many times by many authors that um, there seems to be a great disparity between the God of Moses and the God of Jesus. Because the God of Moses exhorts the people of Israel to smite their enemies, i.e. the Canaanites, the Philistines, the whoever, you know, uh, who were hanging around in the Promised Land, uh, and to kill them. And uh, that, um, I forget the exact stories, but certainly like... Um, You're very learned, but... Well, thank you. I don't know if I really am, but I know bits about these things. Yes. Um, and uh, so the... Um, yeah, so in the, in the you know, book of uh, the, the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament, which are the, uh, what constitute the, the Hebrew Torah, the, their God is basically very violent, you know, and constantly exhorting the um, uh, the Israelites to, to go uh, to sort of you know go forth and multiply and to and to basically uh, kill anyone that gets in their way in order to take over their promised land. Um, and um, noticing, of course, that Israel was originally a tribe, uh, not a country, um, and country I think was originally well I suppose maybe there was Israel and Judah I think there were two different tribes which settled in in what is modern-day Israel um, which is where we get the word Judaic and Judaism from um, and I guess maybe also yes I mean in so German Judah because you know that they say like the is it like seven tribes of Israel 12 12 yes Sorry. 12 tribes uh, so like the Judah people. So yeah, so there were the Ju people of Judah. And yeah. Then you have the people of the Israelites. Yeah. So were they the ones that came from Egypt? So originally, because uh, there's the story of Moses, isn't there? And I know that, like, <coughs> like um, the Pharaoh was like a dictator or something. Yeah. And, um, who kept the Hebrews as slaves. So, who were the Hebrews? Are they, like, the so same the, as the Israelites? Well, so, in the... Very confusing, all this. It is. Uh, I definitely can, can agree with that. So, the, the earliest written mention uh, outside of the Torah of Hebrews is from, I think, well... I'm, pretty sure it's Old Kingdom um, stele, so like an inscription on a, on a carved carved on a piece of stone that mentions a, um, a group of people from a, a town called Ibaru. Um, and I think again in the reign of Akhenaten there are inscriptions about the Ibaru people. Um, so there definitely were people from a place called Ibaru who were, I think, enslaved. I'm trying to remember which um, I remember seeing it in the Egyptian museum and in Cairo and going like, wow, this is actually like, you know, the Hebrews did exist, you know, that they were a real tribe. Um, so, and then I think, so the Hebrews, so I think, I think Moses was a Hebrew or an Ibaru. 
and that he then led the people out and then they wandered around and got lost and then eventually ended up in modern day Israel. So um, the so you were saying like when did they become the 12 tribes? And that's what I'm not sure about. I wonder whether that was after the enslavement in Babylon. Um, because there's often mention of the 12 tribes, but I don't really know. I feel like I need to look it up. Because I know um, Oh, they were at war with everyone in Babylonia. Yeah. They're Syrians, possibly. Like, yeah. Maybe, I think, well, maybe with the Judeans. Yeah, well, so, they, so the Babylonians captured the Judeans. Mm-hmm. The, the, they enslaved the people who were living in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they took them to Babylon. Um, and... That's where that whole song, you know, like by the rivers of Babylon, where oh, yeah. we sat down. Yeah, so is that a song, were. a biblical song? That is actually, bizarrely, those are actually words from the song of, I think it's called the Song of Lamentation, which is one of the Psalms, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that they lived, they were freed during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. um, a famous Babylonian king who... Uh, he was the king whose biblical story says was writing on the wall. He saw like a, uh, you know, like a ghostly finger writing, you know, "Let my people go" or something on the yeah. wall, and then that inspired him to uh, to, to free the, the Israelites. Um, but so like the, so that but I mean I was going to mention that so that God of the Old Testament um, is very wrathful. The the uh, I almost feel spooked saying his name, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yahweh. The Yahweh of the uh, of the, the Old Testament, which uh, true Jewish people are not allowed to say that word um, for fear of retribution. Um, but, yeah, but he's a very he's he and and also there's a Yah, which is an ancient um, Egyptian god called Yah. Yeah. Uh, who seemed to be some sort of sky god. So, oops. And um, so there's definitely like a chance that this god Yah was, uh, so that the cult followers of that god maybe were expelled from Egypt at some point, and maybe those, maybe they also happen to be Hebrews. I don't know. But certainly, like, but that god is very, you know, violent, and uh, you know, so the Ark of the Covenant, for example, um, uh, is basically meant to, you know, meant to. Um, meant to basically smite all the all the enemies of the Jews um, with uh, you know like a bit like in you know that um, Raiders of the Lost Ark you know when all the Nazis get melted um, and um, and then also like you know so like there's a story about uh, the walls of Jericho and um, oh gosh who was it um Someone blew a horn outside the walls of Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. But you know, they then basically just killed everyone inside the city of Jericho, uh, which was a foreign, you know, which was a Canaanite. I think it was a Canaanite city. So then, if you go to the New Testament, 
God of Jesus, he is a completely different God, it seems, because he's Jesus is basically saying how God God is you know full of forgiveness and God is love, you know, and that God is also not uh, obsessed by genetic uh, history and is and will accept you regardless of your you know your genetic makeup. So the God of the Old Testament is a God of of the Levite or the God of the of Israel, you know, who's a God for those particular people. But Jesus is like now the the God that I'm the son of is is into everyone, you know, and will accept anyone, high or low, and from any. You know, so he had, you know, he had Greek followers, he had Roman followers, I mean, and you know, prostitutes and washerwomen and fishermen and you know, and people from all different backgrounds. Although he himself was, of course, meant to be Can Jewish. I have a follow, please? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, so so he does seem rather schizophrenic as a god because he's uh, one minute he's smiting, one minute he's loving. Is it the Talmud? Yeah. What is the um, is there is the Torah and then there is the Talmud. Yes, now this is a very good question. I am not sure about so I'm gonna look it up. Um, so uh, I think that as far as I remember the Talmud is the okay. The Talmud is the central text of rabbinical Judaism and the primary source of Jewish religious law. So it's um, uh, nearly all Jewish communities. The Talmud was the centerpiece of Jewish culture and life, and was the foundation of all Jewish thought and aspirations, serving also as the guide for the daily life of Jews. <coughs> it's a collection of writings named specifically the Babylonian Talmud. There you go. Well, there is also an early collection of Jerusalem Talmud. Um, it's also sometimes called the Shas, which is short for the Shish, Shisha Sidarim, or the Sixth Order of the Mishnah. Two components, the Mishnah, uh, the oral, which is a compendium of rabbinical Judaism's oral Torah, and the Gemara, an elucidation of the Mishnah in related Tanaitic writings. Mm. So they're basically nothing to do with the Bible. I guess in a way the Talmud is kind of the New Testament of the Jewish people because it's kind of like um, they, the Torah is the core and then the, like the, the stories, the history, and then the Talmud is like the how you should actually go about doing things. So if you think of like the... The, the Christian Bible, like the Old Testament is the history, and then the New Testament, the story of Jesus, does, is kind um, of very. It's it's a lot about like how to live your life and morality does and stuff. The, um, Christ, uh, Christian have like a Talmud too. Like does Christianity yeah. have like a Talmud? Yeah, I would say so because if you think of the writings of Saint Paul 
um, Paul's letters to the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the whoever else would listen to him rabbiting on, um, he basically wrote down what we now think of Christian doctrine and was, I mean, sadly, I don't think enough of modern, certainly like baptismal or, or Catholic um, Christianity um, refers enough to the actual preachings of Jesus what Jesus actually said is quite thin on the ground you know um, whereas there's a lot more so you've got basically you've got four in the New Testament you've got four main uh, gospels which are meant to be uh, witnesses to the life of Jesus and recordings of exactly what Jesus said and did so those are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John the, the evangelical gospels and then after that you get the Acts of the Apostles, and then you get uh, the uh, Paul's letters, and then you get Revelation. I'm sure I've missed out some unimportant bits in there, but there's, that's basically what you get, what, what there is. So um, the four Gospels that write about what Jesus actually did in his life are basically only really two Gospels, the Q Gospel and St. John. John's is written in Greek. The other ones are all Matthew, Mark and Luke are all taken from a single original text and then kind of like rewritten for different, slightly different audiences. But they don't really have any new teachings in them. So there's only really two Gospels from two different authors who we could say were probably eyewitness. So whoever wrote the Q Gospel was probably an eyewitness or, or wrote down, you know, maybe by about 70 AD, we think, according to some of the language and some of the things that are in it, um, seems that either Matthew, Mark or Luke was a real person or somebody else, an elderly apostle or witness to Jesus' life orally related their story to a younger person who wrote it down. And then you've got John, who's written in Greek and his is much more philosophical. So his is the, the gospel that begins, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. He doesn't bother with all that stuff about the nativity. Uh, he's much more a philosopher and talking about the sort of philosophical new religion, um, the new way of practicing and living life so in answer to your question about what the Talmud might be for the Christians it would be the Acts of the Apostles and the letters of St Paul the later half of the New Testament which is basically uh, St Paul uh, who was very keen on telling people off writing about what he thought um, people should uh, should be doing with their daily lives, their daily practice, um, castigating women for being harlots, you know, uh, generally slagging people off for being uh, unworthy of God's love because they weren't working hard enough on being good people. Um, so a lot of that sort of like hellfire and brimstone and kind so of cool. like cursing people that um, that people like that Billy Graham you were looking into the other day. Um, you know, that kind of Christianity is very much based on Pauline philosophy, which is basically punish you know, scare the bejesus out of people, haha, to use a blasphemy, blasphemy phrase, uh, you know, scare people with hell, with he the threats of hell, uh, and admonish them for being unworthy of the name of Christian, and then they'll, they'll be guilt-tripped into behaving better. Yeah. That's not how Jesus practiced mm. or taught. He taught by example, and by trying to leave, you know, lead a simple life of sacrifice and good deeds. Um, and um, yeah, so, but the Talmud is what contains a lot of what now modern day Christians 
try to base their lives on um you know the kinds of you know so the sort of things about like you know like implications against homosexuality and stuff which are not taught by jesus and in fact seem to actually be that he you know it seems unquestionable to me that jesus would have accepted homosexuals trans people people of all different sexualities um and wouldn't have cared what they did in their bedroom <laughs> as long as they did it with love i don't think he would have given the monkeys um however paul was from a much more strict um judaic background that was full of these you know purity laws and uh, the ideas of you know you know clean and unclean and i think that his translation of jesus's message was a much more prescriptive one so you had another question You're amusing or something, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny that, I don't know, some Christians perhaps are more Old Testament than others, aren't they, I suppose? Exactly, yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of, again, going back to Pentecostal and baptismal churches in America, um, you know, um, and the African churches as well, I think a lot of them have um, put a lot more focus on the Old Testament and the writings, uh, the laws of Leviticus um, and the the uh, revelatory nature of books like Daniel and Ezekiel um, to kind of like, I don't know, because I, I find that very weird because basically they're just basically Jews who aren't Jewish, you know. A lot of those Christians, to me, aren't really Christians in the way I see what Christianity should be about because they're too focused on telling people that they're that they're bad or stupid. <laughs> and um, so, you know, was that a more antiquated to... version of like the Christianity in Britain and Europe? Like, I suppose because. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, wasn't Christianity kind of introduced to Africa via? Yeah. Um, um, well, I mean, British uh, rule and Africa's a big continent, so that's a difficult question to answer. The Netherlands rule and the German rule, I think, isn't there some countries in Africa that so were colonized by lots of European countries? Mm. Um, Definitely. Don't know, but was it? Is it true that Christianity kind of was taught by um, British people in a way? Yes. Yeah. Definitely, and it was. Um, yeah. There were missionaries. Yeah. Um, who went out um, all the way from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, from the early colonial period, which I guess is this Elizabethan era, mm -hmm. up until. 20th century you know there were people and and, and still you know um uh i mean I, I yeah i mean like you know there were still missionaries you know american missionaries again from baptist churches going to vietnam yeah. there was like the the vietnamese government even in the 90s was like you know uh, warning people against you know like giving money to or or, or um supporting uh, american infiltration of uh, of christian you know uh, christians into into the highlands of Vietnam and stuff, you know. So they're still, they're still so going on missionary zeal. 
I think this was up until the 90s. I mean, I remember there was, um, when I was there, there was uh, some kind of scandal about Americans uh, trying to convert hill tribes in Tapa um, and them getting arrested and stuff. Um, so maybe that um, Old Testament was kind of introduced by the Americans. Well, I think like... Because America seems quite... like. The Christianity that they have in America seems very similar to the kind of um, very strict and authoritarian Christianity that you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's. Um, I mean, again, this is mostly kind of like background noise in my brain that I haven't really got any evidence for. But it's like I think that um, there's a certain sort of like religious hardcore. I mean, you know, so like both Protestants and Catholics both have a missionary zeal, you know, they're both evangelical faiths mm -hmm. and by evangelical um, that means kind of like, you know, that they, they support forced conversion, basically, you know, mm. that everyone in the world is a sinner. Um, so both, I believe, both Protestants, oh look, the butterflies having a, having a mating dance up there. That's a great sign. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, um, so the so the idea that basically humankind is sinful by default because of Adam and Eve, what they call original sin, mm. is a tenet that I believe the Catholics and the Protestants both believe in or both hold, and that the uh, they have different. So this is why, like things, why baptism, you know, sort of basically like forced baptisms. Uh, you know, like every child used to be baptized, you know, and until that child was baptized, they were basically evil. And by being baptized, they were then being cleansed by the Holy Church to make them acceptable to God. Um, it's bonkers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and like, you know, so like, you know, I mean, you remember we were watching that film the other day, the, uh, the, 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 the gypsy film, the, the, the Serbian film about, about gypsies. Uh -huh. um, and the poor little kid dies, and she's like, and he hasn't even been baptized. And the guy tries to go and bribe the nun to baptize a dead baby. You know, mm -hmm. now of course you can't baptize a dead baby. You know, can't you? No, because the, the living spirit of God is meant to infuse into the baby and, and and you know cleanse it. And how can you do that if the baby's already gone? You know, the baby's already mm -hmm. gone. Basically, that baby would have gone to hell. You know, and this is why. Catholics and Baptists and, and whatever so an, are so anti-abortion, you see, mm. is because they think that that baby's soul is going to be, because you can't baptize a baby in the womb, because the, if the baby is, is murdered by a doctor, you know, if the fetus is, 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 is terminated, is killed, you know, I mean, yes, it's a horrible thing to think about, but, you know, that means that that baby's soul will go to hell because already the baby has a soul, you know, as soon as it's kind of like past a bundle of cells somehow it magically gains a soul and then if you kill the baby before baptism you're consigning the baby's soul to hell so you if know? you have a miscarriage as well does yeah the baby go to yeah hell? i guess that yeah yeah i guess you know That's so weird isn't um, it and and that <clears throat> so and so this this idea so it's quite hard to get your head around like yeah how and, could you and how could people believe that like people don't seriously believe it, do they? They do, very strongly, you know, and to the point where people will go and stand outside abortion clinics, shouting abuse at young women who've been raped, 
Um, I thought that they Helen just did... Helen sh shouting, baby killer, baby killer. Uh, you know, like if a girl goes to try and get a, get an, an abortion because she's been sexually abused by her own family or, you know, whatever. She, you know, people will literally abuse her, which is, again, completely against the, the, the teaching and the spirit of the message of Jesus, completely. And these people think that they're Christians, you know, but they, they hold these weird views so strongly that they just don't even... They don't even consider the psychological impact of what they're doing on the on the person. I mean, like to me, I mean to me, that's satanic, you know, to to, to go and torment a, a, a young woman who's facing a horrible cho choice, in you know, like that, and then to, to abuse her in the street. You know, mm. just I can't understand how anyone can consider themselves to be a Christian now, because to me, Christianity is all about you know love and acceptance and tolerance. You know, um, but. Uh, but I was going to say, you know, you were saying about like the spread of Christianity in like you know, and, and Africa and stuff, and like, yeah. uh, so again, in the same paternalistic kind of, um, you know, we we know, but we know better than everybody else kind of way, um, the, the 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 Christians of Europe would think that to um, save. Um, save the souls of the heathens you know the the the, the uh, black and brown people of the world they had to go and convert them to christianity and teach them the bible and teach them certain certain you know ideas from the bible um so and, do they believe uh, of which you know sexual behaviors was one of the big things that they were trying to stamp out But Church of England doesn't believe in that, does it? Yeah. Well, it believes. Church well, of England believes that if you don't get baptized, you're going to go to hell. I think so. Let me let's have a look. Um. So yes, what does Church of England believe? Church of England and abortion. Let's have a look. Church of England Baptist. Yes. Let's see. Uh, Anglicanism and abortion. Uh, Anglicans oppose decriminalization of abortion. What is the Anglican position about abortion? Let's find out. Of course, this is important. So, this is Church of England asking about. Abortion is generally considered a sin. Unlike the Roman Catholic Church, abortion does not lead to automatic excommunication. However, the unjustified killing of another is considered no less grave a matter and must be re repented of, confessed and forgiven, either directly by God through prayer or declared absolved by God through the church or one of his ministers. While the Episcopal Church recognises a woman's right to terminate her pregnancy, the church condemns abortion only in cases of rape, oh, condones abortion only in cases of rape or incest. Those are the examples I gave. Cases in which a mother's physical or mental health is at risk, or cases involving faith fetal abnormalities. The church forbids abortion as a means of birth control, family planning, sex selection, or any other reasons of mere convenience. If you're talking about, ang about real Anglicans, we tend to be very pro-life. Is abortion immoral, even in the case of danger of life to the mother? Anglican position is the position of all Christians the Anglican position is a position all Christians must have. 
We must oppose it. <laughs> the church in the beginning taught that abortion was wrong. And we as Christians cannot participate. One or our first set of teachings outside of scripture was the Didash. The full title being what? The full title being the teachings of the Lord to the Gentiles by the twelve apostles. It is thought to have been written in the fifties or sixties of the first century, the first part teaching of the way. Right. So I've never heard of this thing called the Didash. Um, and if it's not in the Bible, why are people why are people following it? I mean, the stuff that's been cut out of the Bible that's much more, you know, Gnostic and spiritual, not like a set of random laws that somebody wrote down in 50 AD. I mean, is it Jesus's teachings? We are commanded by Christ through the apostles: you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. Really? See, I don't remember that being said in the Bible. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, this is a um, obviously a bit of a you know, bone of contention because I'd have to look it up because I've never heard of that thing called the die dash. That sounds very um, suspicious. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah. the die dash. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of the Didash as well. Something about the, tw the, the teachings of the Twelve Apostles. I didn't know that. Um, the whole... Well, I, I did actually know about oh, the whole... Um, the word didactic, I guess. ...thing about a baby going to hell and stuff. I think that's... Yeah. That, really, they should have a look at that rule because that's quite... Well, I mean, yeah, the stance it seems, seems horrendous to think that. And also the fact that people I mean, who've never heard... How would you heard... think that your own baby would go to hell? Say if you had a miscarriage. Yeah. Would you then believe that your baby went to hell? Well, I mean, imagine, you know, that's the teaching that you've been brought up with, you know, to think that, you know, through no accident, no baby, fault of your own, own, you know, that's... Something that you the brought most, to term. That is you know. the most psycho thing I've ever heard in my life, mm. to be honest. There's a lot of that, sadly, in, um, in Christianity. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I really want to look that up because I really find it hard to believe that Jesus himself would say, do not abort a child. I mean, again, it's got to be like, anything like that's got to be on a case-by-case -case basis. And like, if there is a soul, why would God make all souls automatically damned except if they do some sort of weird ritual? I mean, like, that's, that just seems like a very strange kind of God to me. Because, you know, if you if you bring a revelation to people in the Middle East, mm. you know, in in zero BC, whatever. Yeah. What about all the people before that? What about all the people who are like millions of miles away who can't possibly hear about these messages? I mean, does that mean that all people who are born, you've not, you know, this, this is what the Christian missionaries used to think was that if people hadn't heard the word of God that all their souls were going to be damned you know so they thought that by going over to Africa to South America to the Eskimos to you know whoever and trying to teach them the word of God they were doing good because they were, they were they thought genuinely that they were saving the souls of these people of course what they actually effectively did was wiped out their culture 
and gave them all persecution complexes and introduced alcoholism and disease into places that had never had it before, you know. And effectively, Christianity has like wiped out the like the Earth's indigenous cultures, um, which again I can't really imagine Jesus intended, mm. because as somebody who accepted all people and said that you know, I don't know. I just find it like that wouldn't really be what he had in mind, you know, because there's beautiful things in every culture, you know. And okay, yeah, there's violence and there's depravity. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, okay, like the, the Aztecs practiced, you know, human sacrifice, and like people in some parts of the world practicing, you know, child infanticide by throwing them, over, throwing them over cliffs, and you know, there's people who do horrible things everywhere. Yes, but then Christians have, in the name of God, God done absolutely appalling things <laughs> in their own history, and they haven't really made much of an attempt to apologise for those things, like you know. The Crusades, the you know, witch hunts, um, hounding the hounding the Gnostic sects uh, in the south of France so that they, you know, people all set fire to themselves. I mean, they've never said sorry. The church has never said sorry for any of those things. Um, which I think all of those things are awful, <laughs> and I think the mass forced conversion. You know, like missionaries would kidnap children from Aboriginal families and like take them 500 miles away and like try and bring them up as, as white people because they thought that they were saving their souls. And they gave them, they, they fucked those children up forever. You know, they never see their parents, never know why they look different to the weird people in their stuffy, stuffy Western clothing. They never learnt their own language or their own culture. You know, and led to the sort of slow destruction of the languages and cultures of other parts of the of the world. You know, like I just I think all of that's awful. But anyway, um, yeah. I don't know if that was a kind of conscious or unconscious thing. Well, whether um whether the interpretation of the Bible mm. was used to control people. Yeah, as being like a conscious or unconscious thing. Hmm. I think it was conscious. I mean, I think one thing that human beings genu genuinely find frightening is anarchy. Mm. And um, the threat of destabilizing elements of other cultures kind of like rocking the base of what everyday life is about I mean it's kind of weird when you see what's happening today yeah but why do people want to live on an autopilot their whole life it takes doing, less brain power doing things that they don't necessarily mm. Like that doesn't actually have any real like what what real tangible thing do you get out of Christianity? Really going around doing that. It just seems like all a big fat waste of time. Like why the fuck did they go around it just seems so illogical, doesn't it? Like go mm. around and just do a load of shit like all your whole life on autopilot basically. 
Well, because people are scared of dying. You know, and if you follow a very simple set of rules and you get promised, if you follow this simple set of rules, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be rewarded with the beautiful fields and you know angels playing the harp and unlimited ice cream, whatever, for the rest of eternity. People will just do it because they're scared of death. They're scared of the blackness. You know, they're scared of oblivion, and and being forgotten, and being meaning, and their life being meaningless. So rather than having to think through <laughs> every decision that they make, yeah. you know, they just follow a set of rules, and then they go like, then they think to themselves, well, I've done what I what I what I was told, so I should be rewarded. And it's a very childish instinct, really. It is, yeah. But, you know, think about how much time you and I spend Doing wrestling. Judgment. Well, no, I was going to say, like, wrestling with moral issues. You know? Yeah. I mean, because we don't have a, a static faith to believe in, every time something difficult comes up in our lives, we always have to try and work out what the best thing to do is. And for both of us, Often this can lead to complete paralysis. You know, yeah. But we end up and doing I think nothing. In some ways, like you know, like I know some Christians that like pump chemicals out into the you know, like you know, don't have any real they don't have any real morality basically. Mm. But think that they're good people just because they follow or they keep on going on about a religion. It's just like, it seems just like being into, into like a subculture or something, you know? It's just like, mm. it just seems like, I don't know, being something, being like part of a gang that, and that just because you're part of that gang instantly means that you're somehow more moral than other people or... yeah. But they don't do anything that is truly moral, you know, like, they don't really think in a moral way, you know, they don't have, like, a very good moral compass at all, you know, they just, well, actually, they just have the complete, their brain has completely atrophied, you know, like, I agree that's that, very sad, really. I think there's a lot of religious people, mm -hmm. generally, who are also frankly quite simple you know mm. mentally simple um and who don't have the, the ability they don't stop looking or the listen. will yeah <laughs> no no they don't no yeah um because they lack the higher reasoning and the higher moral mm. capacity to really think things through for themselves mm. and because people are generally in most ages you know people are generally very egoic you know mm. and a lot of religion um you know uh, what's the word for that you know like uh, pandas to mm. this e egotistical self where people want to be more they want to they want to feel good about themselves mm. you know 
So when you've got a combination of rather simple people who don't have very good ethical or, you well, know, or reasoning myself skills. myself actually being very egoic. So I can be, I think everyone can be very egoic sometimes. Yeah. Um, of course. But it's just how you use that, I suppose. Like, mm. you can use being egoic for good, can't you? Mm. Or, yeah. You know. Enlightened self-interest. You can get something out of it, can't you? Like, if you're feeling in, because I, I feel it's like a mood for me. Like, sometimes I enter a kind of more... I think it must come from quite like feeling browbeaten and feeling controlled and feeling um, that I don't know like marginalized and like people looking at me and judge like I, I feel judged sometimes mm-hmm. and I think that kind of sparks this very kind of like egoic almost like you know not egoic, but just aggressive. Mm-hmm. Mm. inside myself, like what the fuck, like what the fuck are you looking at, like mm. you know, like who the fuck are you to look at me like that or judge me, you know? And it makes me react in sometimes and kind of I can sometimes ha- develop like unpleasant thoughts and you know unpleasant feelings, you know and. Mm-hmm be generally not a very pleasant person sometimes because of it you know um Mm -hmm. but then again sometimes that's needed you know protect yourself yeah yeah like yeah Mm. but then again i don't want to neglect the other side of my character that is wounded and that is gentle as well you know and that is childlike and that is you know my inner child you know and yeah um you know i don't want to kind of ignore that part because that part brings me spiritual spiritual wholeness as well you know like my inner child and my inner in you know my inner infant if you want if you if you like yeah is um i think a major part of where my creativity comes from really you know definitely the way i think and you know like i'm not a i'm not an in the box type you know well i think that i am sometimes because of maybe being too shy or a bit scared or passive you know which you know well I'm sure you can see the appeal I suppose which is kind of like a reaction to being a child and being told no and being told you can't do this and no you'll never be able to accomplish this or that or you know and Mm. Or, you know, th- people thinking that they know. Everything about you and that you're just basically nothing. And it's quite, you know, and then that they just like have this very
flippant view of you, you know, they just think, oh, well, you know? Yeah. And they don't listen to you, and they don't... But you can see the appeal of, yeah. like, of, of religion. Yeah. You know, to people like you. Yeah. A lot of people who are into religion are people like you, you know? Yeah. And, uh... What, people who haven't been listened to, and yeah. people who... People who, you know... Have been kind of ignored, or... Mm. Told that they're inferior, or told that they're not worthy, or told that they're exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine the appeal yeah, to a to a young person. Yeah. You know, if like someone comes along and goes, "Oh yeah, I see you've been bullied. Why don't you come along to my church and meet up with my pastor? And you know, he's a really nice guy, and they're all big, big, big friends, like a big family, and yeah, you know, and it's very easy to like." But See then you just got, get out of the frying pan into the fire, then, well, you? you know, like <laughs> usually. Just, that's you know. how I felt in the past with things. People, you know, wolves in sheep's clothes, you know, mm. saying that, you know, and actually, you're like, before you know it, you're in up Chick's Creek, aren't you? <laughs> you know, without a well, paddle. I think if you lack, yeah, I think if you lack the ability to make your own moral calculations mm-hmm. and um, if you're too easily led by other people um, it's very easy to see how bullied people become the bullies mm. you know because if you if you get oppressed and subjugated and made fun of and judged and mocked and then someone comes along and says hey why don't you join our gang then we'll, we'll, we'll back you up you know that's like you, like you really hit the nail on the head when you said that like you know you, you perceive a lot of religion as being um, you know like a gang. Yeah. Because I think that's that is very a very key part of human psychology is that we are troop animals and that like any any time there's a collection of human and beings. And also very male as well. Like I've noticed. Of course. Yeah. I don't want to like you know I you know I don't have anything against men or anything. Yeah, I think it's a very kind of the the gang thing. Like I'm willing to stick to the gang. It's very like chauvinist male, I suppose. Not just male in general, because like you were part of a girl gang, weren't you? Yeah. Where the where where the girls. But chauvinism doesn't actually mean anything to do with sex or gender ah. chauvinism it means um, kind of pride and so it's been kind of compared to nationalism or mm-hmm. stuff like that you know like a kind of sense of we are you know so in our girl gang we were a bit chauvinist yeah because we we were like we are our gang and I suppose like our gang did get we weren't exactly I suppose we weren't in a way because we weren't exactly great at being dictatorial to people and you know just because we were in a gang doesn't mean we were in like a (coughs) you weren't like the mafia no (laughs) we were just in a gang where we all like Walked around in the garage music and 
Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I suppose I mean like that. And did our hair and I makeup together? You know, it's like not. It wasn't really like that much of a like gang, to be honest. I suppose I was just thinking that it was you know, more of a kind of yeah. I guess I was thinking about the propensity for mm. human beings to collect into gangs, mm. you know, and that it's not necessarily. I think you know, obviously like how that manifests itself mm. is different for men and women and it's different from society to society but it is a fundamental human behavior yeah you know that we are hardwired in our brains to collect into gangs yeah you know? like you'll know you will not find a human society anywhere in the world which doesn't have gangs which doesn't have gangs which mm. of some sort you know as soon as there's more than two humans there's a gang yeah you know because they just that's that's what, what our ape ancestry tells us to do you know and I think that that's the problem when humans, you know, like, unfortunately, Jesus may have been the son of God, possibly, but he mm. didn't really have much of a grasp of how to, um, yeah, but all these like, break apart human behavior. So make you, it's so difficult to just be, you know, because, mm -hmm. like, as soon as you be one thing, for example, like, I don't know, like, I think out the LGBT has become a bit of a gang. Oh yeah. You know, and in some way it's very hard to just simply be LGBT without being Well, it's like why have you got to be LGBT? Why can't you just yeah. be L why can't you just be L or T? You know, you've got to be LGBT. You've got to be LGBTQ QI plus. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm this kind of individual, you know, I I have these kind of traits mm. or whatever, you know, I I enjoy you know, my pleasures are these pleasures, but like, that isn't, you know, I, I wish people wouldn't put me in a gang because of that, you yeah. know? Yeah, does it say I have to like the, I have to like the Eurovision Song Contest? Yeah, you know, like, to be honest, like, all the things that, a lot of the things that LGBT stereotypically kind of like and stuff, it's not stuff that I, I kind of, the stuff that I like is more... Kind of personal stories mm -hmm. about being LGBT, you know? Yeah. Like someone who, for example, reading literature about LGBT or something, you know, like, mm -hmm. or about like not LGBT, just like a li literature. I've not even. Please forget that I said LGBT. Please, like, not literature. No, not out. Like. Basically, there were you know reading a lovely story about a guy or a girl, and one day they happen to like fall in love with you know or like happen to have a yearning or attraction to someone, and that person had a yearning attraction to them, and you know, and they mm. got to know each other, and you know they really loved each other, and you know maybe they ex ex experimented with each other or something you know that's a lovely thing you know and for me that's that's it, like i that's what it is you know something quite simple like that you know mm. it doesn't have to be so you don't have to put yourself in such a box you know and like even like bisexuality and pansexuality and all that that's putting yourself in a box again you know and that and mm. that's trying to say that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that people who were bisexual, pansexual didn't want to be put in a box when they said that, you know, they just 
they just naturally were admirers of people of different you know they like once upon a time maybe admired a girl and another time strongly admired a boy you know or a man or whatever you know and then once they strongly admired Marilyn Manson and then got very confused they weren't quite sure what Marilyn Manson was yeah and then one yeah exactly so mm. you, do, you don't have to be so I think the thing is it's like again you know like it's it's about human you know like, hu- about it do you like no, that but just then, takes away from the whole beauty of it all you know but I think the, I think again you know it's, it's a very human it's an, a human ability that's become over overdeveloped you know so mm. human the human tendency to categorize mm. is very useful when it comes to collecting berries right yeah. if like every time you see a, a red berry on a tree with white flowers and that uh, and normally red berries are poisonous but those ones from the white flowers taste really good and are very nutritious and like stop you getting the shits then you're going to remember those red berries and be like, I'm going to have those red berries every time, mm. but I'm going to avoid the other red berries. But so, what's useful for categorizing and like de- and making de- making decisive um, divisions and definitions mm. is very useful if you're living in a jungle. But it can become overwrought and overworked. So it's like it's people overwhelming and overwhelming. Well, you know, like that urge to put everything again, in a box. I know, you know? I know why it's you know I know why it's important as well because you know, LGBT people have suffered from stigma, you know, Mm. have been stigmatised and stuff. But then again, I think Sometimes things, you know, a whisper is louder than a shout, isn't it? Sometimes I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like to subtly, you know, be a lover, you know, and be a lover of life and be a bon vivant, you know. And yeah, these are not the. This is not the age of subtlety, though. You know, is is far more endearing than being an extreme exhibitionist and going out on the, you know, okay, I have gone out on the street in bondage gear and been like, eh, <laughs> in people's faces. I see what, you know, I've done it in a way. Yeah, I have because I've, but I've done it in a kind of, yeah, maybe in the same way that they do it, you know, in a kind of punk protest way, you know, mm. of like, I'm in bondage gear and I'm going to be like, eh, in your face. Do you know what I mean? But then again, like, yeah. I mean, I think the thing about labelling is that, like, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's very useful. Yeah. In some circumstances, it's very useful. So, like, mm. you know, if you, like, sexuality is a, is a minefield, you know. It's, yeah. Well, it's three. Look, there's a, a butterfly threesome. There we are. See, look, pansexual wow. butterflies. Wow. <laughs> LGBT butterflies. Um. But so, like, in some circumstances, like, you know, you can imagine that, like, you know, if you go to somewhere like, I don't know, like, Torture Garden or whatever. I've never been to these places. But, you know, I'd love to go to Torture Garden, to be honest. But um, like, I'm, I was just but, thinking, like, in a way, hmm. like, I know it's not good to, like, panther to, to the masses and stump some way and, like, be like, oh, you know, just because the masses don't think 
you know, for certain, you know, for example, straight men, I would use that as an example. Yeah. Or like straight society mm. may find it not only overwhelming, but even if they did have, am were amorous to LGBT, LGBT is making them very scared of their social, you know, it's actually polarizing them because they feel like perhaps, I don't know, what do they feel like? like they have to be they feel like they'll be I don't know I could imagine it being like well I know it is for a fact that it is very yeah it is very taboo but also it's very um, I can imagine them seeing it as something so different that they can't get their head around. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, I think, I think, um, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but like, you know, like <clears throat> sexuality is the, it's like the, the ground on which they, people build you know, their personality. Maybe they could get their head around it through other channels, you know? Yeah. I think that, um, well, firstly, mm. what 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 gender you are, yeah, and what sexuality you are, um, is like that in some people's minds, mm. and I think particularly perhaps people who've been brought up in a very Judeo-Christian or, or Muslim background. I think I don't know. I think there's a particular kind of. Um, I think perhaps with, with religions that are kind of like trying to expand themselves. So there's like a sort of inner sense that like we need to get this message out there. So, you know, um, anyway, but, but yeah, like what your gender is and who you're attracted to is like, that is the ground. That's like the rock on which you base everything in your life. You know, mm. you build everything on that, on that foundation, you know? Yeah. So when you're growing up, you are a boy. And as a boy, you're going to be this. This is going to be who you are. This is what you're having mapped out for you. This is what you're going to be interested in. This is and the person, the kind of people that you're going to want to have babies with are those people, i.e., girls. Mm. You know, and like that is a very fundamental part of upbringing and of personality building. You know, mm. it's kind of like. You know, you're lying on a on a, a, a on a pink roll mat. You know, yeah. and it's like if if I me coming along and saying, you know that there's other genders, right, is like me coming along and just whipping that map away mat away from you. You know, mm. it's like pulling the rug out from under your feet because people are so like, I'm a, I'm in a male body, I have male genitals, I want to put these male genitals into female genitals. That's my that's that's it. There is no, that's what my life is about. Mm. And the purpose of my life is to put my, my male dentals into a woman's female dentals and to make babies. 
that's what my, that's what life is about. and that is literally the, the the basic part of a lot of people's personality is based on that fact mm. you know and if you go up to these people and say yeah but you know what are you sure are you sure you know you've never wanted to like put your male genitals into a boy's bottom or that you've never wanted to like dress up in girls clothes or you've never felt you know or you've never wanted to that's that's some somebody of the opposite's gender's cherry lips on yeah your phallus yeah i mean that like that that idea (laughs) is so yeah it's so threatening because it's like setting fire to the ground story of a of a of a tower block Mm. because none of the other ideas that you have in your life can be rearranged if that is not if, if that fundamental fact about what you are you know this is why Piers Morgan starts going going red in the face and jumping up and down mm. because you know because he he fundamentally can't you know he's always bringing up like I've got four boys and those boys are like you know it's like boys 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 I'm a boy they're boys boys do this boys are that you know it's like it's like mate are you are you actually so unsure about what you are mm. fundamentally that you are going to freak out by the fact that maybe one of your boys might be queer you know is that is that really so alarming you know and it is if you basically think that the whole purpose of life is procreation Mm. you know now if you come from like a more buddhist or hindu or like maybe taoist or you know uh, or i don't know like ancient greek perhaps i don't know but maybe a bit more libertine philosophy of yeah i mean you know i'm here to you're or you know the pleasure philosophy what is it called hedonism, you know, a bit hedonistic and so or like not hedonistic but yeah. like well, in I a mean, positive that's... way like you're here to have you know to have pleasure well and all, but also i was just going to say that you know like if you base your existence on the fundamental fact that you are a being yeah just a just a being just a conscious entity mm. that what what body parts you have is irrelevant yeah you know it doesn't really matter if you've got you know, if you've got a fork for genitals, or if you've got like a you know a, a, a pot of marmite for genitals, or a, you know, doesn't does it matter what your bodily organs are? Not really. I mean, like, or an inside-out penis. When when, <laughs> when we've already got ten fucking billion humans, I know. Is it really that important to procreate? Is that really? I mean, like, you know, okay. When when we were living on the savanna or in jungles, mm. right? When the number of human beings was perilous, mm. you know. If you go back like, to, you know, two hundred thousand years, when the number of Homo sapiens was, you know, you might you might walk for for, for two weeks and not see another human being. You mm. know, yes, maybe the urge to procreate was was the main thing you need to worry about. Even if you go back to the time of the founding fathers of of, of Judaism, yeah, mm. maybe like making sure that human beings continue to procreate in a sensible way that's not going to cause division in society. Yes, maybe those are the principles you should base on. But now there's 10 fucking billion people. I don't think we need to worry about that procreation stuff so much anymore because there's probably enough people Mm. in the world. You've probably kind of like covered that base. Mm. So what people, as you say, like surely now it's much important like that we're having lives that are, um, you know, that, it's much more important that we have we have lives that are more pleasurable or at least Enjoyable meaningful or meaningful like you know? 
lives that are fulfilling, you know? Yeah. Because imagine, like, having just an unfulfilled, like, completely, well, so you know, living do, yeah. and not actually living your life in, I mean, a, in a, a pleasurable way whatsoever, you know? Like, that idea just fills me with dread, like, that sounds horrible. And I, and I think that, that sounds absolutely vile to live like that, you know? And I think that's the problem, you see, because if you, if you pull that rug away from people, mm. if you pull the, ru- pull the procreation rug away from people, mm. suddenly life has no meaning. Mm. Because if the only thing that really fundamentally um, underpins their reason for being alive mm. is the fact that they've got a dick and that they can put it into a, into a fanny and then they can make a baby, if that's the only thing that's actually making their life make sense, then of course, if you suggest to them that actually that re- reason for their existence is actually irrelevant, mm. suddenly they're like, going to start getting angry with you mm. because it means that they have to fundamentally reassess the reason for their being alive mm. and what they're doing with their life. You know, I mean, bless them. I love I love seeing families. You know, walking mm. past and they've all got their kids and everything. But as well, it can give them some time for reflection. You know? which I think a lot of maybe straight people don't really reflect. I just saw a bee fall into a hole in the ground. Do they? Look, just over there. I know that's quite a like radical thing to say or whatever, but like, I don't know. What are you doing down there, little bee? As much, I don't know. Yeah, obviously they do reflect, but like, you know, if, if your sexuality and your thing that you your pleasures are like going with the grain like really like when do you ever really like challenge your mind you know like when do you really question when do you really think you know when do you really feel you know well i think that's the thing when just everything is so bish bash bosh you know like i think that's the thing when do you really like discover anything you know Mm. No, well, I think I mm. think that's the thing. I think when that's everything is just handed to you on a plate, almost in a mm. kind of way, like you 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 don't want for anything, you know, like you don't desire anything that is out of the ordinary, you know, or you don't feel, you know, like you don't belong in any way, you know, you don't really kind of question maybe as much as you should be questioning you know well i think that's the thing i think that's you know that's the reason for that's yeah. re- that's the fundamental you know that's what religion is for you know so you uh, pacify your questions yeah okay i think that you know that's that's you know that so, sounds like a load of crock, crock of shit then doesn't well, it well i think you know, i think, I think yeah, I think it is and it isn't. I think the thing is, you know, there's like there's different questioning too much is bad. Do you think? No. Yeah. No, but I just think that like, okay, so you know, for every mm. fundam- for every fundamentalist yeah. sect of of Islam, where people blindly obey a set of prescriptions written down, you know, eight hundred years ago. Um, by somebody who lived in a completely different cultural milieu and and, and mm. had a completely different set of values, mm. you know, there is also a Sufi, you know, mm. yeah, you know, just like everyone, everyone wants to have their questions answered. It's just that some people want to find their own answers, and some people want to be told what to do, mm. you know, because some people just have got 
too little capacity to really think things through or don't but have the time fair, or don't really it? think that it's they don't really think it's important they'd rather just go you know I it's think, like I don't, I don't think that's fair i don't know i would like i'm quite um I i'd like to believe that everybody has the capacity i just think that not everyone does because not everyone's brought up to or like want you know to, even like you know i believe people in a very you know sorry state you know like have maybe have even more psychedelic experience mm. you know people who are severely handicapped or something you know imagine mm. their reality is so different to the reality that we we understand you mm-hmm. know they must be so beyond binary do you know what i mean like if they if they don't if they can't focus you know to this world at all you know then they must their mind must be so multi-dimensional you know well, I suppose, especially for people who've got very severely limited physical movement, you know, uh, or, or or their senses are very, you know, whether if they're if they're blind or deaf or um, their senses are very distorted. I mean, I guess they must have a very different interior world. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting. Really, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, like they are the, uh, all kind of. What must be called? I can I imagine them all as like kind of shamans in a way and mm. or you know wizards or witches or you know practitioners of you know amazing artwork with their mind you know and like you know really under- you know really go into different realms Mm-hmm. And different states of consciousness, you know, like imagine how many different consciousness your dad just goes into. God, I don't know, yeah. I suppose at least he's been partly prepared for that by having a yeah. science fictional mentality. Mm. But, um. Like, but imagine all the ideas he must have as well that he can't express. It must be very painful for him. Yeah, because I can imagine he sees so many things, you know. Mm that he would probably really desire to express because he's an he's a creative person you know he's a engineer you know he's a yeah. person that is a scientist you know yeah i, w- I wish i had my parasol now the sun is like really too much now yeah we should put that be white one, i it? know well it's not it's beautiful to have like um well it's probably very good for you actually isn't yeah it, we need the vi- we need the vitamin d i don't want to, i don't yeah but my skin is quite you're not going to go brown from like one no, but I might go wrinkly and old looking, and what, or like I overnight. Might, no, <laughs> I might um, it, my, my skin might damage because now I'm on estrogen. My skin is thinner. Yeah. It damages more easy. I think it'll probably be alright. No, I don't want out. to get sun damaged. Or, like, alright, you can go and hide in the sun bush. Sun damage then. makes you old. When you're going to hide in the bush, you can go and crawl around the undergrowth like a like yeah, a hog. Yeah, it's a shame we haven't got a bullet, but it's so yeah, lovely. For fuck's sake. Yeah, like... <laughs> um, yeah, so it kind of... Fifth of, fifth of April. Um, See, I thought I knew pretty, a lot about Christianity, you know. I felt quite, 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 um, you know, smug about my level of knowledge about Christianity. 
and I have never heard of the die dash. And I think I feel quite ashamed that I've never heard of it. I'm just going to explain a bit about what it is because I think this is um, something that. The die dash is known as the Lord's teaching through the Twelve Apostles to the Nations, a brief anonymous early Christian treatise written in Koine Greek, dated by most scholars to the first century. The first line of this treatise is the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles by the Twelve Apostles. The texts, parts of which constitute the oldest extant written catechism, has three main sections dealing with Christian ethics, rituals such as baptism and Eucharist, and church organisation. The opening chapters describe the virtuous way of life and the wicked way of death. The Lord's Prayer is included in full. Baptism is by immersion or by effusion, if immersion is not practical. What does that mean? Is that when you just drip water over somebody's head? Water is poured over the head, yes. That is called effusion, apparently. Um, fasting is ordered for Wednesdays and Fridays. See, we don't do that anymore. Two primitive Eucharistic prayers are given. Church organisation was at an early stage of development. Um... The Didash reveals how Jewish Christians saw themselves and how they adapted their practice for Gentile Christians. The Didash is similar in several ways to the Gospel of Matthew, perhaps because both texts originated in similar communities. I think Matthew was a Greek tax collector. The opening chapters, which also appear in other early Christian texts, are likely derived from an earlier Jewish source. So that's yeah. So this is this is the, this is something that apparently that all 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 my life that, that Christian people have been following blindly without that ever talking about it. How weird. Um, it was not accepted into the New Testament canon. However, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church includes the the, uh, the Didache. So who does believe in it? Anyway, some people must use it. Um, it seems to be referred to by Baptists on the, on the net as being where, where you should get your moral teachings from. Um, God, it is really hot, isn't it? What's the temperature right now? 